From the truckload quoting page within TIE-TMS, you can create a new shipment to instantly display your historical lane average alongside all of the market-leading rating intelligence tools. In just a few clicks, you can adjust the quote, add your margin, select your quote response template, and email an official quote right off to the customer from the same page. Request a demo today at tie-software.com to find out how TIE-TMS can optimize your quoting process. Tech Call. Today we're covering the May market update. Don't forget to subscribe to Tech Call the newsletter on FreightWaves.com if you haven't already. Before we dive into our guest interview, there is some news in the world that you should check out. Give the people what they want, and what they want is more truck parking. Legislation to invest $755 million over the next three years to expand truck parking in the U.S. advanced in the House the other day. The Advancement came after uh, assurances were made that the money would come from funds already authorized by Congress, not from any additional funds from taxpayers. To foot the $755 million bill, Scott Perry, the Republican representative for Pennsylvania, offered an amendment that would rescind the amount from the Neighborhood Access and Equity Grant Program, an Inflation Reduction Act provision that allocates $1.9 billion for grants that improve transportation access in disadvantaged communities. The bill was part of a slate of 16 supply chain-related bills marked up by the committee, which advanced several bills aimed at expanding truck sizes and weights, implementing ocean shipping reforms, and reforming the CDL exam process, among others. Some of the bills included the markup, such as a truck parking measure, could advance on their own, but the markup is also intended to produce a supply chain legislative package that can have bipartisan support in the House and the Senate. All that's left to get the truck parking on the road is the Senate to approve the bill. This week's sonar chart of the show is a quick little market snapshot of Chicago and Joliet, Illinois. The outbound tender volumes for the Chicago and Joliet, Illinois markets have grown 6 and 4% respectively since the start of April. Outbound tender rejection rates initially fell close to 1.5% for Chicago, but are now back above 2.5% which is still incredibly loose. With such abundant capacity, it will be difficult to monitor demand trends. Chicago's outbound demand is the highest it has been all year, but there has been little indication in rejection or rates. Today, we are joined by the one and only David Spencer, the Vice President of Market Intelligence at Arrive Logistics. Welcome back, David. How are you? I'm doing good. Good to be back, Mary. Thanks so much. I am really excited. We took some time off. We Got to meet one of your other coworkers, talk about sustainability because, you know, I just, I will always talk about sustainability anytime that I can. So it was a good time. Um, but moving into the market update, there is, I think the question that everybody wants to know is like, what's going to happen for the rest of the year? Is it going to bounce back? Are things going to keep falling? You know, everything that we're just going to get into here in a little bit. Um, so what are um, kind of, how are those contracted carriers that are securing large volume awards, how are they continuing to secure that? And kind of um, how are they really just doubling down on those contracted uh, Elaine award volumes? Yeah, well, getting right into the meat of it here. I mean, um, <laughs> a, lot, a lot that goes into it, right? I think certainly, you know, and I, I think we'll get to this as well, but carriers have interest in contract rate right now because of that demand uncertainty that's out there, right? And so 
um, you know, those that have had access to contract freight and have those relationships with the enterprise style shippers that um, are looking to um, secure capacity on a contract basis, you know, things like focusing on, on quality service and, and um, you know, on-time pickup, on-time delivery, um, being able to uh, deliver on time is, is, is paramount right now, right? So uh, quality service, uh, high tender acceptance rates, um, really in being able to provide, you know, solutions to shippers that are adding value now and efficiency, right? So things like drop trailer solutions are huge and assets obviously have, um, you know, a huge advantage in, in delivering that. I mean, it's definitely seeing, uh, we're definitely seeing uh, brokers have uh, an increased play in that, right? As we get, you know, greater ability to get, get trailers dropped and um, you know, service shippers, as we're seeing, uh, shippers looking at that as a great opportunity to, to supplement labor shortages in their warehouses, right? Create efficiencies and uh, loading those trailers when they have staff on site, things like that. So customized solutions, good service, um, growing business that they already have. Um, really, that's, that's where carriers are, are um, building up uh, all this volume right now through contract business. So basically what you're saying is consistency is key, always has been probably always will be it's 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 very key right and obviously these large large barriers that have had this business um you know if they're getting more business from shippers uh we're seeing a lot of shippers reduce volume estimates this year but uh and forecasts for volume this year but if they're getting increased access to business uh these carriers also right now have, have increased access to drivers and equipment um you know we've seen a lot of owner operators uh, looking to get out of uh, the market or looking for some protection and, and and working with a larger carrier to get access to that contract freight is certainly something we've seen. So these carriers have access to that to that additional capacity right now as well. I like it. Um, one of the things that I've always kind of wondered, and maybe you have the answer or you just have a good speculative, you know, assessment. Why do you think that more shippers don't take advantage of like a drop trailer program or something like that? Why do you think there's so many that focus on a live load versus like, you know, maybe having some trailers preloaded uh, aside from the fact that they have freight that can't obviously sit in a drop trailer? Like you can't put a hunk of chicken on a drop trailer and hope for the best that the reef is not going to crap out. But some of those um, some of those retail shippers that maybe just have like clothing or shoes or other things like that. Why do you think there are more shippers that don't necessarily take advantage of those drop trailer programs? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it probably depends on the shipper, right? But um, I, I know in some instances, you know, right now in particular, we're looking at shippers with their low volume lanes are are really anxious to leverage the spot market, right? So an area where they don't necessarily have consistency to their freight, um, an area where they're not necessarily going to find that capacity from a carrier readily available on demand. Um, you know, when that trailer is ready to be, you know, picked up and hauled, uh, maybe there's some inconsistency to it. Um, you know, leveraging the spot market is a great reason right now where, uh, on inconsistent lanes, why I think, you know, some shippers might, you know, not look at drop trailer as a good opportunity, but, um, it's difficult to set up trailer pools, right? It, it's difficult to, to, to do that and to manage that. Um, you know, some of these solutions can be complex, but we're certainly seeing an increased appetite for it. And, uh, again, I think it just depends on who you are as a shipper and, and what your circumstances are around labor and yard space and um, consistency in the freight that you have and um, really what your network enables. So there's kind of a significant gap between the spot and contracted rates um, on both, you know, the van and reefer side of things. 
What are some of those things that are really, you know, driving that gap and really um, helping keep that gap, you know, pretty spread and not necessarily like shorten it and make it come closer together? Yeah, I I think the the clear, obvious answer is the oversupply on the market right now. Right. And and, um, that in addition to demand uncertainty, um, you know, if there's capacity available or if that you know, cargo owner, freight owner has the ability to accept that, that load and maybe leverage even an internal, um, you know, 3PL team to find coverage. Uh, there's profitability to be made there as well. And so I think, um, you know, carriers that have access to this freight, uh, they're either seeing it as a great opportunity to, to, to load their trailers or as an opportunity, um, you know, to, um, potentially feed their own, brokerage, I'm not saying we know for sure that that's happening, but certainly there's a large interest in carriers right now to accept the freight they're being offered, um, you know, and service that freight well, because, you know, a a quick buck here or there by going after another load or or a higher paying spot load may not be worth it, you know, when we're on the other side of the 4th of July, when, you know, we may potentially see the market settle down again, right? Um, You know, uh, really have to balance the risk of, of not servicing a customer right now uh, and what that would mean for you in the short term versus, um, you know, uncertainty around where those loads are going to come from in the back half of the year. Will that be there? Will it not? It's going to happen with the economy. I, we certainly think that's playing a part of behavioral component on carriers. Kind of that good old adage of don't bite the hand that feeds you. Yeah, it's certainly, certainly a time right now where that's, that's holding true. Um, one of the things I think is kind of cool is, um, well, maybe not cool for carriers, but cool for cool from the data side of things. Um, there's about a 10 cent gap between spot rates and contract rates, which, you know, doesn't seem like a lot because it's like, oh, 10 cents, it's a dime. I could probably walk down the street and find 20 of them. Um, actually, probably not. But you know what I mean? Um, the what do you think is kind of driving this difference between um the fact that you know the spot there is that 10 cent gap is it just the nature of the time of year that we're in with produce season and summer um getting kicked off here in a couple weeks um or is it something that you know carriers or not carrier shippers are just continuing to drive down some of those contracted rates or is it just kind of a mix of both what we're seeing on the spot side of things is certainly uh, a bottoming out uh, right we we've seen a, a much slower decline uh, in the spot market. If anything, the last week or so, or at least since the, the onset of um, you know the road check last week, we've seen some rate volatility. Uh, we've seen a little bit more stability on the spot th- on the spot side. I think that was expected uh, from a seasonal standpoint, right here in mid-May, and uh, as we look towards um, really that whole period between now and Fourth of July, we expect to see rate volatility prop up spot rates a bit. Um, and so that's going to help put upward pressure on spot rates to close the gap, right? And we've certainly seen continued downward pressure on contract rates um, really driven by this gap. And, and as shippers continue to go out and reprice, um, you know, continual, continual uh, several cent decline month over month. And we expect that to continue until the gap closes further. I, I think that kind of makes sense. It's one of those where it's, you know, we do have a lot happening. May usually is the kickoff of summer. And though we haven't quite seen that volume kickoff yet, um, I do think that there is some there is some something to be said for the the summer, the summer volumes that are coming. 
Um, but that being said, you know, I would like to think that we are at a low, like, I don't, I honestly don't know where else spot rates can go. Like, I, there's, there's no more, there's no more room for them to fall, you know? Um, but how that beings and carriers still have to like operate and run and find, try and turn a profit. What are some of those, um, things that like, how are those carriers coping? Do we, are we seeing a lot more, um, drivers kind of dip out of being an owner operator and switch over to a company driver? Um, are they, are some of them just, you know, like hunkering down and just trying to weather out the storm? What do you think we'll kind of see as the summer progresses? Yeah. Um, really the data is, is really interesting to look at in this section. And, um, first things first, I think it depends on the, on, on the, the mode or the type of equipment you're hauling. Flatbed market is seeing exceptionally strong demand right now. Um, and so you're going to see strength, uh, among carriers, um, operating that space. Um, you know, seen much more rates, uh, greater rate stability there, greater, uh, demand in that space. And that's being driven by increased construction spending on pretty much everything outside of single family housing, um, which is definitely taking a hit, right? But um, really double digit percent increases in construction spending year over year. Um, so far year to date, you know, um, greater than 15%, right? And, and, and that's meaningful. Um, and so flatbed market is its own animal. But, you know, as we think about, um, you know, the other space, van, reefer, uh, first thing I'd that I find interesting is we're seeing total employment in trucking continue to rise. Um, and that's really counterintuitive to what we'd expect to see, um, especially as when we're looking at uh, revocations of trucking authority um, continue to be near all-time highs, right? We've really peaked all-time highs in this cycle here. So we're seeing a lot of carriers leaving the market. Um, so how are we seeing carriers leaving the market, but employment rising and our, our best there is a lot of that has to do with that capacity that wasn't being counted in the employment numbers. Um, a lot of those revocations are on our operators looking to lease on and, and, and to work these larger company jobs. Um, so we certainly see capacity moving over. Um, that that's that's what w- our takeaway is as we we kind of look at this data. I feel like almost if I were owner operator, I would I would probably also follow the follow the the line of jump over with a company and just kind of ride it out there and then when we're on the other side end of things then go out do my own thing again and just kind of do that just because it's um i mean the money to be made when the spot market is is hot is is nice but also the consistency and not having to you know wonder where my next load's coming from or if i'm going to be able to make my truck payment this month like that i think is that that nice like blanket that you get from being a company driver in certain instances? I know there's a whole bunch of different ways that drivers can become company drivers and all that stuff. Um, I do. Uh, I am impressed that flatbed is still going um, because as anyone who spent any time in the Midwest in the summer, uh, it's officially construction season. So anytime that you're trying to go somewhere on a highway, just go ahead and add two hours because the construction season. Yeah. And, and, you know, a couple of points, right? Like carriers made a lot of money over the last few years, right? And if they were smart about um, sort of uh, stockpiling that, right, they have the ability to operate at a loss if necessary for a bit here, right? So there's some tolerance for decreased margins or let's call it break even, right? Um, there's some tolerance for that for, for carriers that made money over the last few years. And, um, you know, on, on top of that, we're certainly... Uh, seeing those that financed equipment, like bought and financed equipment, 
you know, same thing uh, that you would see on in the housing space. A lot of people refinanced or bought a home during the pandemic at the very low interest rates. And, you know, looking at, at that right now, they, they can't get what they paid for their equipment and it's in at a low interest rate. So in some ways that may slow the rate of exits um, for some of these carriers, um, especially if they're sitting on a little bit of cash um, to, to get them through this down cycle. So uh, really interesting dynamics um, in the space that we're seeing uh, affect uh, carry behaviors, uh, stuff we haven't really talked about before, interest rate movement, fuels way down from the volatility we've seen almost unprecedented over the last year. Uh, strange time to be figuring out what to do if you're a carrier, especially a small one. I think that those who have kind of limped that um, limped their equipment along or maybe couldn't get their hands on new equipment when it was in high demand and so expensive, I kind of wonder if they're kind of oddly, I don't want to say happy, but like, okay, that they couldn't get the equipment when they did, because then now they get to, you know, get a better deal on it, but maybe not a strong financing, but I feel like anyone that's been around long enough knows the swings, the ups and the downs, and when you're just basically printing money, you just take that and you just hide it in the bank for later. <laughs> Challenging times for sure. So one of the things that um, kind of like goes, it's all encompassing a little bit, um, but there is some talk that there's been a rise in retail imports. Uh, I'm curious as to how long that's potentially going to last. Um, especially now towards the end, looks looking like at the end of the summer, um, U.S. consumers are going to have to start paying on their student loans, which could bring anything from two hundred to a thousand dollars extra a month that they're going to have to come up with. So I'm curious to if those indications that there could be a rise in retail imports is going to continue even into the end of the summer when those student loan repayments are expected to continue. Yeah, it's a great question, right? You have sort of two variables here. One is the retail um, uh, imports, and the other is what impact is going to happen. For, what are we going to feel from um, student loan forgiveness coming to an end, right? And I think um, in some ways, while they are connected, I wouldn't expect um, the student loan component to have an impact on uh, imports until probably next year, actually. And the reason for that is because there's sort of this lag between it all, imports are all based on um, retail orders and retail orders are based on typically what the consumers are spending. And so, you know, orders for next year are going to come in later this year. Right. And so after we've seen an impact potentially from, you know, consumer spending as it relates to that that um, regulation change around the student debt. So I don't necessarily think we're going to see any impact to the trends in retail imports this year, although longer term, I certainly think, you know, the obvious effect is declining consumer spending, which leads to, um, you know, lowering uh, ordering patterns, um, you know, from a retail side and potentially seeing a down year for imports next year, you know, should that all play out, but all speculation at this point, right? But as far as what to expect from retail this year, you know, I think, um, you know, the the expectation for growing import forecasts comes from uh, the expectation that inventory destocking has progressed, right? So uh, are we going to see imports come in for back to school and for the fourth quarter retail season? And the answer is, I believe, yes. Growing imports 
will be coming in as as we see those inventories destock. Although, um, you know, probably a little bit slower than the last couple of years, and in more in line with what we saw pre-pandemic. I kind of also feel that retailers are almost moving up the buying season because I think what it was it was Easter, and I was already at like. For example, my target, I was already able to buy Easter stuff like a month and a half before Easter started. So that way, when Easter actually came around, there was like one tiny section left and they had already moved on to summer equipment and like lawn and garden. And I was like, you guys, we're barely we're barely crusting the season and you're already throwing the new stuff out. Like, give me a second. Come on. But we do love the deals. We do love the deals that come as they're trying to clear out the inventory. And this is going to be my um, plea again to target of if you want to slash any of your prices if you just want to like have the whole 50% off store I will be there the, the for the second that you open then just say well hopefully they're listening I mean 100% tar- all of target is like oh Mary said it we got to do it um but no I think that retailers are kind of changing the game and encouraging some earlier spending so much so that I wouldn't be surprised if I go in a a week and there's already some back to school stuff out. Um, so I definitely uh, think that the the year ahead buying cycle is the biggest challenge for retailers right now, because that's usually when they place those orders about a year ahead of time. Um, so that being said, we've covered the important things in the market, but what we haven't covered is the best question of the show. Uh, so David, are you ready for this week's question? Always. If you could have a superpower related to any household chore, what would it be and why? My first instinct, it has to be around dishes, right? Because like, I'm all for cooking. I love cooking, but who likes doing the dishes? You know, especially after you eat a nice meal, like, I don't want to get up and do the dishes, you know? So I don't know what the superpower would be, but like something that you don't have to do the dishes, you know? I feel like there is I feel like there's like a Harry Potter solution to that where I feel like I've seen in a movie one time there was like uh like they like had like a, a soap and like a washcloth like just doing the dishes in the sink. Um and that's what I would like because I also hate dishes. Um, so much so that I usually try to do them like right after I finish making dinner. Um and but then I have a cold dinner. So it's really just like it's 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 not fun either way you spin it. Yeah, Liz Liz. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Dave dishes. That's David's. It's David's not favorite household chore. But if anyone wants to slide in with, oh, maybe somebody has a solution for doing dishes, or they want to pick your brain on the market, where can they find you outside the show? Yeah. Um. I, I, I think arrivelogistics.com is a great place to look. Um. We post all of uh, publish all of our content, whether it's our market updates, um, or our market for- rate forecast. I think it's a great place to start and. Uh, my contact information is there as well. and um, But active on LinkedIn, David Spencer, you can find me there. Um, or you can come to um, the Check Call uh, podcast on a regular basis and, and find my insights here. So thanks so much, Mary. Anytime. I look forward to having it. And for anyone that is uh, bored or unsure of if they should go to Cleveland or not, both David and I will be there. And you can pepper him with your own ridiculous questions to ask him as well. We'll be here in Cleveland. Find Check All the Podcasts anywhere you get your podcasts, like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't forget to check out all the other incredible Freightways podcasts, such as Tracks for Time and Truck Tech. Don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter on freightwaves.com slash check call. See you on the internet.